0: Wrestling is a huge strategy game, and that applies to all aspects of your life. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than
1: the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100% how to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestle, because if you wrestle, natural talent helps, but it's it's, Five percent of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast, presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Sunday, January 8th, great slate of wrestling today, Arizona State, Iowa State, and then two back-to-back duels on the Big Ten Network. But let's get to this episode. It's with Matt Senkenba, former wrestler at Stanford, the founder of Wrestling IQ. So Matt's a software developer and created a application from scratch for wrestling clubs to manage their rosters, schedules. Basically, all the stuff people were doing on Excel and paper, he built that into an app. It's called Wrestling IQ. Loved having Matt on the podcast. Fan of the week goes to our friend Philip McWilliams from Maryland, the owner of a new green hoodie. Thank you so much for the support. We greatly appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who supported the podcast with the merchandise order. If you want to support our podcast, Store.WrestlingChangeMyLife.com We have a ton of merch Store.WrestlingChangeMyLife.com This episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago I want to thank a listener of this podcast I'm not sure if he wants his name to be mentioned So I'll confirm with him But this individual is a listener of this podcast And heard the call to support Beat the Street Chicago And gave a $1,500 donation So thank you very much Beat the Street Chicago is a first-class organization. They just released their impact report for 2022, which you can read on btschicago.org. Here are a few high-level stats. In 2022, they worked with over 2,500 wrestlers. Those wrestlers logged over 450 hours of after-school homework help, and 91% of them reported having more self-confidence. 86% felt more accountable for themselves. So this is an organization that's out there in the trenches doing real work every day. And our goal is for every Chicagoan, Chicago youth I should say, to say that wrestling changed their life. So if you feel impacted by wrestling and want to support an organization that's doing the Lord's work, go to btschicago.org slash donate. That's btschicago.org slash donate. This episode is also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the Moneyball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match, input that data into their cloud analytics platform, and on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play Stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play Stores. Quant Wrestling. Download the app now. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Matt Senkenba. Matt, welcome to the podcast, my man. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for this. I love that we uh, you know, first connected about your software company, Wrestling IQ, and I'm excited to dive into your background, but let's just start with a uh, kind of your introduction and in the company you run.
0: Sure. So, my name's Matt Senkenba. I Grew up in the world of wrestling, like a lot of us, uh, from Washington, went to college in California at Stanford, where I studied computer science. I've spent my career generally in technology and startups and sort of have recently moved back closer to family. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I now run Wrestling IQ full time, which is a small bootstrapped company that makes software just for wrestling teams. Uh, so trying to make a difference in the people who impacted me the most.
1: It's awesome because I don't know how many people are out there doing that and like really like know how to engineer and code and, and building out a, an application. So how did you get involved with wrestling in the first place?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like a lot of listeners, somewhat of a family legacy type thing. Um, my dad wrestled in college at Western Washington University up in Bellingham before they dropped the program. And my uncles all wrestled in high school, like that whole thing. Uh, my dad also was a junior high coach for a middle school near me. Uh, so I grew up like just being in that wrestling room at the junior high and like loving it. Um, and my first wrestling official team was in Pierce County Junior Wrestling League at for the Auburn A team. And I was six years old, kindergarten, got the flyer, brought it home, like you know, showed my parents. My parents were very, I played a lot of other sports and they weren't really into forcing me to do anything. So it was sort of a slow start there, but that was the first team.
1: And so knowing your dad wrestled in college, did he talk about it a lot?
0: Yeah. You know, I think thinking back about it, my dad's coaching philosophy is I think really impactful. He was very much a Look, I'm going to expose you to a lot of different styles of coaching and wrestling. And this applied to other areas of our life, too soccer, baseball, martial arts, math, where it's like, you know what? You're going to be exposed to a lot of these things and you should know about them, but you get to choose which one fits best for you and how it applies to your life and how you fit that together. Um, so for him, it was much more of a, you know, there's no run one right way to do anything. So you just need to figure out what works for you. And he helped me through that a lot throughout my entire career, which was, you know, a a coaching style I really appreciated um, and has helped a lot in the life skills department too, I'd say.
1: (laughs) How long did he coach you growing up all the way through? Um, It's kind of funny because he was very careful
0: not to be that dad in the corner at the wrestling gym that goes crazy when your parent or your kid is wrestling. So he would help me when I asked for help, but he was, he was coach an assistant coach at the youth team. Um, That youth team. I didn't know it at the time, but had two all Americans as coaches as well. Wow. Um, we think we had six or seven D one wrestlers coming out of that program around my age. Um, and what part of
1: Washington is this?
0: This is in Auburn, Washington, which is a tiny little town between Tacoma and Seattle. Okay. Um, yeah, on that team, we had the Swartz brothers, Kurt and Jake Swartz, who set at Boise State. Uh, Mike Mangram, who wrestled at Oregon State. Sh- Shane Onifer was in the league and went to my high school. Wyoming kids. kid. So there was some future D1 athletes in there. But generally, you know, 100 kids. Most of us are just there for fun. It wasn't a super competitive environment at that point. Um, so yeah,
1: and so he started did... coaching there. He started, okay. And then his philosophy it's interesting because I think that's probably one of the biggest questions we talk about is if you had a dad who was a coach, like how do you draw the line between dad and coach time?
0: Yeah, it, I think it's really hard. Um, you know, I think my dad did a pretty good job of understanding the emotional and sort of, you know, social impacts of coaching and how he was coaching. Um, and I think that's really relevant today as we look at the sport as a whole. And like, how do we retain people? How do we make sure that we still support elite athletes? But, you know, if we've got 40% of our athletes not coming back for a year or two, like that's a big problem. Um, and so he was doing very age appropriate things and like, you know, six through eight fourth grade was like, you're just going to show up to practice and we'll help out. But like, once we're off the mat, like we're doing other things with our life. Uh, and then fourth grade, you know, I started to get more interested in wrestling as a sport and like, I would ask him explicitly for advice and like, let's talk about this. And so we'd get a little more into the strategy and like, okay, you need to have your, you know, fireman's carry should be able to go to a single or a high crotch or a outside carry. And and we started working more on mat strategy, advanced stuff at that point. Um, but that wasn't until, you know, the 10 to 14 year old Mark where it actually started to matter and he started to apply that, which You know, with sports science these days, as, you know, I think Emma Randall is probably the most advanced in our field at the moment. She'll talk a lot about this. But um, yeah, that's that was sort of looking back a great thing for me developmentally that didn't make me hate the sport, didn't make me burn out, and sort of left me with that motivation to keep pushing.
1: Yeah. And you said that your dad exposed you to things like math. Is that how you got involved with engineering? (laughs) Yeah, sort of. (laughs) So...
0: (laughs) My childhood had a lot of, um, I would get interested in things really intensely for like three to six months at a time. And some of these stuck with me longer. And one of those was computers uh, from a very early age. My dad, when I was two, I think went back and got a master's in sort of informational technology as a teacher. He was a PE teacher for a long time, but was very interested in how computers worked and how multimedia worked and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we had a Apple II GS growing at home and mm-hmm. I was a little kid, so I'd be on there all the time. Um, it started blossoming from there, like in sixth grade, of course, the nerd that I am wanted a C programming book for Christmas. And like, I just got this fat, like 400 page textbook. What? I know it's like the best Christmas present ever.
1: Did you, you um, use it?
0: Yeah, I got through like half of it, I would say. But C is not exactly a beginner-friendly language, so it was a bit of a a bit too theoretical to really engross me for super long time. Um so yeah, that's how I got into engineering a little bit, but I didn't really get into software engineering until college. Like it wasn't a big focus of my life in high school. It was just sort of this like tinkering thing that I do occasionally along with, you know, the video games and sports and all that kind of stuff that are m- much more common.
1: How did you end up at Stanford?
0: I was recruited by Carrie McCoy and my high school. Well, I haven't actually asked Jay or, or my coaches this, but Jay Jackson is from the Washington area and Jay was coached or was roommates with both of my high school coaches in in my four years there. Uh Brian Peterson and John Aiken were both PLU coaches and athletes, and they knew Jay from their time there. And so I, I sort of assume that was how that got started. Um Carrie McCoy was the one who recruited me, although I never wrestled for him at Stanford. Uh that was the year he moved to Maryland. Was got my it. freshman year. Uh, but yeah, so it was honestly sort of out of the blue. Like I'm not you know you've had some phenomenal guests on your show i am not that i'm like (laughs) i wrestled at d1 but like i had a below average record i didn't i played other sports in high school never placed never even went to fargo didn't even it wasn't even in my head as like a thing Um, although i was fairly i did well at state in the you know normal season i wasn't the world champion seven-time gold medalist that's now wrestling in college it was uh it was much more of a having good grades. I got recruited by a few colleges, you know, casual conversations with Wyoming and Boise State. Um, and I think part of that too was my high school team was relatively good for the state at the time. We did we top four finishes quite a bit. Um, like I said, we had six or seven. Uh, college wrestlers come out of that team who were doing things more aggressively than I was. So there was some focus there that I didn't necessarily have to go out and get myself, which was kind of nice. So,
1: But think about the impact you're having now through the sport, through your software skills.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? This is one of the things that I really hope we do better as a sport is to make that retention better at a young age, because you don't have to be a world medalist to promote the sport. Like that's not, it's great and it's healthy and we need those senior athletes. But, you know, when we're talking about building a fan base, you need people who understand the sport. And even if they've only wrestled for a couple of years, now they're a fan, they can engage, had a good experience. Um, And, you know, for me, it's an interesting example, like you said, because, I don't have a visible presence. I'm sort of prefer to be behind the scenes. And like, if I can provide you coaches with tools that save you time, that help you process online registrations that like, just generally make running a wrestling club, not such a grind and be a little smarter about that. Um, it's propelling the sport forward. And that's, that's has nothing to do with my wrestling ability, my coaching ability, anything like that. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to be involved in the sport. And, you know, this is this is a small one, engineering. It's not a big one at the moment, but I hope it'll get bigger in the future.
1: Yeah. So how did you first come up with the idea?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Wrestling IQ started actually within the animal sheltering world, which is a little bit odd. So my, this was 2016, I was switching jobs. I... Was working at an ed tech startup in the Bay Area that did online learning. It's very big. It's like a Coursera competitor type of situation. And one of the my friends from college, Greg, was had a company that makes animal shelter software called Shelter Loaf. um, and they were hiring, he wanted to hire on his first engineer in the US. And like I was sort of talking to him casually for forever, kept Mm -hmm. in touch since college. And Greg was like, you know, I want you to come be an engineer. I was like, great, but I want to work part-time <laughs> because I want to do my own thing. I have no idea what my own thing is right now yet, but I know I want that to be my future. Um, so I went to work for Greg, who was a fantastic mentor in terms of business strategy and how to grow businesses in the tech field and all that stuff. He's a Stanford MBA student or graduate, I should say. Um, and so that's where it got started. You know, I was working three days a week there for, five years and I in my two days off was sort of experimenting with at the start not working and doing anything. And then fall of 2017, um it started to fall into place that like, you know, maybe I should start thinking about what I want to do with my life and my future and where I want to put my effort. And when I'm thinking about relative strength, which is something I really love wrestling for is, you know, relative strength is basically the basis of strategy, full stop in any arena, business, wrestling, you know, I, I myself, I'm not a good cradle guy. Cause I'm short, stocky and my arms just don't go that far. Like that strategy is bad for me on the mat. Um, and with business strategy for small companies, one of the things that I started to look at was you know, what's the intersection of my skills and unique attributes that other people don't have or that I can compete well in certain arenas. And wrestling was one of those things. It was like, okay, there's not that many software engineers uh, that are wrestlers or know the wrestling community. There are some, but not a lot. And, you know, I can build something. I don't have to pay a developer to get something off the ground. So I started, started with Stanford. Uh, I reached out to Ray and Jason Brelli, who were coaches who were still there, who coached me my all four years and, you know, had lunch, bottom lunch. It was probably the best um, alumni outreach for them ever. Like they get paid for me to ask them questions. Like, great, let's go get some Mediterranean. It'll be great. Um, So I started there in terms of just need finding and figuring out what was causing them problems and how that works. And the original solution for that was mostly video review and upload. They're spending a lot of time categorizing videos, uploading them, sending them to the wrestlers, doing film review. So that initial version of Wrestling IQ was very much a video solution. Um, and now it's blossomed to a lot of different things. And colleges are actually one of our worst customers. But um, <laughs> that's, that's like four years in a nutshell from that point to... Where we're at now um so that's the start of wrestling iq was very much you know just figuring out how i wanted to help the communities that i was a part of and how it could be effective within those communities and i guess c would be do they even need it is it Mm -hmm. worth doing um
1: yeah and how did it go from video upload to what it is now
0: yeah so It started with video upload, and then I started to get a lot more interest from club teams. So club teams have a lot more needs than high school or college teams in the sense that you need to be able to accept online payments, you need to have a team calendar, you need to be able to message people so that the parents get to the meet on time or whatever. You need to communicate. Um, Plus, you have things like practice planning where. The coaches are now, maybe they're volunteers or they're out of building. And so you need them to be on the same page, but not necessarily in the same room, like a high school would. And these clubs were basically needed a solution that was specific to wrestling, had a broad feature set, and that also wasn't going to break the bank. Like a lot, like Zen Planner, MindBody, Sports Engine, they're all like seven to a thousand, 700 thousand, seven hundred to $1,000 a year. And for wrestling teams, you know, the elite ones can afford that and that's fine. But the like nonprofit volunteer runs that I was part of as a kid and like most people do like, it's a seasonal thing. It's it's no one's full-time job in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started migrating in that direction because I wanted to help those people that didn't have the systems, you know, at college, like I mentioned, it's a bad fit in some cases because an athletic director is buying software for the whole, all the sports so they're mm-hmm. purchasing huddle for every team and they want them to use that. And they have infrastructure to support coaches and it's like coaches can buy other things, but they get a lot of perks from having an organization behind them and the clubs. That's not true. It's usually an LLC, one owner or it's a nonprofit and they're just trying to get organized. Um, so that started the transition there to club focus and that's been where we've been focused on for a long time like we have high schools and colleges that use it that use the same feature set clubs are typically the most common people that we can help the most mm-hmm. at the moment because you know we've we've been investing in that side of the business for god 6 years now i guess man
1: wow so it's been 6 years since you've been on your own
0: it's been 6 years since i wrote the first line of code
1: got it uh, okay
0: I wow. only went full time on the business last January, so it's been a year since it's been full time. Um, but yeah, it's, wow. it's been a long, slow grind.
1: So, how does it work when you write a line of code? Like, how do you? How does it go from that? And like, where do you write it at? And how does it go from that to like an application?
0: Mm-hmm. So, code in general. Oh man, this is a topic we could go deep on. This is like, oh. My nerd senses are tingling. Generally code lives in a couple of different places with Resting IQ. There's the main website, which is one code base. There's, you know, the iOS app, which is another code base Android app, which is a different one. And code that I write generally gets deployed onto servers through a bunch of pipelines we have in the back end. But at the end of the day. When I write code, it's for a specific business need. It has to come from the customer's problem. So it really actually doesn't start with the code. It starts with like, you know, the needs, right? Like we've got, if you're looking at the triangle of pyramid hierarchy of wrestling needs, it's like, okay, you need financial health down here, which is like payments, fundraisers. Then you need in-season communication, which is calendar messaging, all that stuff. And up the very tippy top is like video and stats. These are like your elite, elite people, but it's really a nice to have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um so it starts there it and it trickles down to code in the sense of like mock-ups first there's a mock-up then I'm designing it in html and css or figma or something like that and from there it actually gets I translate that into code um which you know that's actually kind of the boring part in my opinion code mm-hmm. is great and can be a nice little puzzle but I really don't like Fiddling and fine tuning the tools, I'm like, let me get this out there. I want impact to be had. Like, it's really motivating when your code actually impacts people and isn't just like scrolled away in the depths of a tech company, which can be demoralizing.
1: Right. I can only imagine. I mean, how you were in that that world for a while, and I guess what made you leave initially, just in general.
0: Yeah. So the Bay Area is very ambition focused in the tech. Uh, community. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it, in many ways, it mirrors the sort of elite drive that you see in senior and, you know, college level athletes in the wrestling world. Like you have a goal, you're figuring out how to get there, you're finding a way to win. Um, And that is a culture I didn't necessarily want to be part of my entire life. I wanted a little more balance. I wanted to be able to have a family, have a life outside of money or tech or anything like that um and so it, it was sort of a gradual shift and sort of self-awareness of you know my family is kind of far away I'm, I'm learning a lot here so i'm willing to put in the time but this is probably not the long-term future that i'm envisioning mm-hmm. I and mean, then slowly take, slowly taking steps towards that future with the part-time job investing in wrestling iq and all that stuff um so yeah, so hopefully someday it'll be an overnight success that only takes like, <laughs> what, 10 years? Is that how it goes? Pretty sure.
1: Right. And and like when you look at some of the stuff you guys are pushing out, if you go to your website, you're pushing out new features all the time. Like how long does it take for like one new thing to come out, would you say? Um, it depends on how big the feature set is.
0: In general, if it's an improvement on an existing feature set, it can be a couple days. You know, last year I just did some analysis from... 2022, I think, managed to push out. It was one new ticket or feature every two days. Um, So that that was like an average, right? So like some of those are small tweaks. Some of them are like whole full-blown new features, like we released a native iOS or native Android app. Um, So it can be pretty good. I would say that that feature velocity is a very interesting metric when you're talking about a tech startup because it implies things about how you structure your team and how you structure your code base and what kind of design patterns you're following because uh, you can be really quick to have tech debt as they call it. And debt in this sense is you it's very much like a mortgage, right? Like you're leveraging something right now to get it right this second, but you have to pay it off over the long term. Um, so tech debt in that sense means if you want to get something done really fast, sometimes you take shortcuts and then you have to live with that decision for a long time. Um, so when you're talking about feature velocity, you try to sort of find that balance. And for us, that means a lot of design patterns that are very similar, but that are effective. Um, and that's generally slower technology choices on the back end. Like we're not, you know, a hotshot crypto startup or anything like that, like we have got a database, there's an API, there's a front end on the website. I uh, we focus a lot more on that sort of customer need and reusing patterns and making sure we're making good choices so that we can keep
1: improving. And do you run all the infrastructure yourself or do you put it in the cloud?
0: Uh, yeah, it's in the cloud. Uh, so I it's technically run on Heroku, which is run on Amazon Web Services. And that's sort of the like, you're paying a little bit extra for them to manage the production environment a little bit although you have to be careful not to screw it up of course
1: i used to work um, at salesforce so oh, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah guys used to sell that yeah yep yeah hero is great love it got it so that's so that's how everything runs it's fascinating to me just being in the tech space and so mm-hmm. like if folks want to purchase the software It's mainly, it's not mainly, but some of the main audiences are the clubs, high schools and colleges. And then how would you recommend like taking that, that next step and like getting involved with it and how do they pay for it?
0: Yeah. So at the club level pricing model is, uh, it's linked to the parents paying the fee. So the clubs don't pay anything out of pocket. Parents, when they're paying something to you as the club, say it's a hundred bucks for a camp, will get a 2% fee added to their bill. So the parents will see $102 that $2 automatically comes to resting IQ and the club just pays the credit card processing fees, which are handled through Stripe. Um, so in terms of the club sense, it doesn't really matter when you sign up, there's key moments in the year where you probably want to do it freestyle season, the fall, you know, right before, maybe a month before your registration, two weeks before your registration opens up is when you want to explore the tool. Um, and I love to, how you do the
1: payments like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that goes back to the to
0: one of the reasons we position that way is because we want to support wrestling, right? Like like you said, it's seasonal for a lot of these smaller teams. 800 bucks is you're having to go get a donation from somebody in the community to run the software that you only need for 3 months out of the year. And that's sort of like graduated billing like that performance pricing if you want to get pricing fancy with it, um, uh, just helps you. We make money when you make money. It aligns all the incentives. We want you to be successful because that benefits everybody. Um, yeah, so that that's the club front. And that's typically when you'd start as a club is you when know, the next time you're going to open up a registration for a new season on board a couple of weeks before that, it only takes about an hour to go from start to finish. If you've got your ducks in a row in terms of this is the liability form I normally sign. These are the questions I ask. Here's my tax and bank account information. Um, so that's the club front. And what are the
1: main features, like like the, the rosters and the calendar and all that? Like, What would what, what you say people mostly use it for?
0: Yeah, so step one is definitely online registration. So it's a replacement for your Google form, for your mm-hmm. sports engine sign up, where your parents are clicking a link. They're filling out of the information you need for registration. They're adding their wrestlers. They're e-signing their liability forms or team rules, and then they're paying. Uh, so that's step one. That's the sort of, you know, basics that you need for any registration system. After that, it gets more into the management side of things, which is applicable to club, high school, college, RTC, whatever you want. And that's much more of the team calendar, which you know. Are shared you can have practices tournaments dual meets anything like that
1: There's that's a genius to have like a calendar like that and you can message like the whole team like you know i, I sometimes i think if i were back in coaching like how would i do it i'm like that is that's nice i mean i can't even imagine it doing it without that that old it's school actually, i
0: i know i it's it's Crazy. interesting because you know the thing that most people like First scene about wrestling IQ is the online payments. Like I don't want to have to deposit the cash and check every time now, right. please. Um, and then you get in season and you spend most of your time with those tools, communicating with the team, making sure parents are there. Uh, things like the calendar team messaging. Team messaging is a bit different in wrestling IQ too, and that it's controlled in the sense that coaches get to decide who can reply to messaging groups. Mm. So You know, you as a coach can have announcement only groups, parents and wrestlers can't create messages without, with anyone except for coaches, unless they have permission in the group. So you've got a little bit of liability. That's also
1: genius there. That's wow. Cause otherwise you have, yeah, you could have like this big online chat forum and God knows what gets posted there. Then you're in trouble.
0: Yeah. It's sort of professionalizing it a little bit, right? Like you're trying not to leak. I mean, for the most part, teams are very family oriented and it's not a big deal if you exchange numbers with all the parents, but you don't want your parents to have the cell phone number of all the kids in your club. Like that's just not how it works these days. Right. Um, Right. So having that system helps with that for sure. Like
1: why would someone not use the tool then if, again, I just think it's such a, it's a cool thing because they can sign up for free and get everything set up. And then when people start signing up, then you're good to go. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. You know, the the reasons is generally inertia, um, or maybe you're happy enough with your current system and you don't think there's enough benefit. Uh, of course, I hope to convince them by making their lives a lot easier forever into the future. Uh, but those are all valid reasons. There's sure. certain yeah. certain reasons you would.
1: Yeah, it's a, I liken it to my own world. It's like probably half the people out there are just using Excel or something, right? Y-
0: yep yep google form google excel Forms. paper um
1: <laughs> remember those old books that uh that that like our parents used to buy so like, they could track every match and like it would be like yeah. this this printout form and they'd be up there writing the names on the bracket and i'm looking at it now i'm like who's reading those i'm not reading them
0: <laughs> my mom so didn't true. do that
1: but i remember parents who did do that and it was like every single match was documented and journaled and you're doing it by hand i'm um actually it brings up an interesting point so do you bring in like stats into it or is that a separate kind of deal like wins yes. and losses
0: so there are stats that's sort of integrated with video so you've seen you've probably seen other wrestling apps there's matt boston level changer where you record and you take stats at the same time while you're okay outside wrestling IQ has the same thing you're recording the match you're taking the stats There's smart scoring so that if someone's scoring who doesn't really know what they're doing, like and they press takedown, it changes. So the only things that are possible are near fall and escape and reversal. So you can't you can't mess up scoring in that way. Um, but yeah, there are some stats in there. It's stats in Wrestling IQ is very much an internal team tool. It's not mm. like uh, you know, you're not gonna go publish it to your local paper paper afterwards probably but you might go back and review with your wrestler to see key moments in the match and yeah all that type of stuff
1: no it's it's just a it's a really cool thing that you followed your dream and your passion and you know i love on your website in the bio it actually says wrestling changed my life so i'm like perfect that you're on the show here that's right and uh i'm really glad we got connected man i just I think it's uh yeah, just a cool thing to see anyone follow the dream and let alone when it's wrestling, it's, it's even better. Um, So, you know, last question for you is when you look at the impact wrestling's had on you, what would you say are some of the ways wrestling's kind of shaped and molded your life?
0: Yeah, I think the specific ways wrestling has is some of the classic ones mentality, being able to work hard and grind something out. Uh, and the other one that I think is somewhat unique that i i wish we would think about more is just generally strategy like wrestling is a huge strategy game
1: mm.
0: um and that applies to all aspects of your life you know when you get into the higher levels of wrestling or anything even high school like you know after a match i would always go scout my next opponent because i always knew which bracket what the bracket looked like and if i won i'd go here if i lost i'd go there um, and it wasn't like hard prep it was more like Oh, yeah, this guy always shoots a single leg to the right hand side or just that half step ahead of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I think that preparation plus strategy is a little bit of a like, not necessarily working in wrestling. It's working on your wrestling, it's working on how you approach and how you think about wrestling mentally. Um, and that applies to so many areas of your life. I think, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers who own businesses. I think that's part of it right you have to be able to understand the context in which you're in and how you fit into competition in your local area and i think wrestling can play a huge part of that because you're constantly aware of that when you're wrestling there's no you know soccer or whatever i loved all the sports i played but it wasn't quite the same when you had your team trying to like that's a slightly different
1: skill than an individual strategy basis mm-hmm. um, i love the strategy angle though that's interesting because Not that many people say that. I do remember one in particular, Andy Rovat, who actually lived in Russia for a year and he's Mm -hmm. big on uh, wrestling being more like a chess problem solver than like something you grind out and like work out. Absolutely. And I think some of that is a culture thing, right? I have, I don't know how
0: accurate this is, but I have read in the past that European countries learn more about systems than they do practical advice in the sense that if you're trying to explore a concept, you actually want to understand. How everything works together before you dive into the practical stuff. Mm -hmm. And people in America are much more practical oriented. Like, give me from here to there, and if I want to, I'll look at the concept later. Um, And for me, I always viewed wrestling much more from a systems perspective. Like, Mm. you know, I'm hitting my fireman's carry from either side. I developed that. I have my moves off of that. I've got, you know, here's my top series. Here's my bottom series. Here's what happens if this wrestler does this. Here's it's all connected, right? It's a web of how we wrestle and that that angle I think is super interesting and something you should think about if you're a young wrestler who wants to get in a business or you're thinking about how your own life could work or that sort of perspective is wrestling's a good practice arena for planning generally I think
1: no it is man it is and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that and I'm really glad we could come out here and, and talk a little wrestling talk a little technology And again, it's WrestlingIQ.com, correct? That's right. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, my friend. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Matt Secondbaugh. If you want to support this podcast, please go to btschicago.org slash donate. Beats the Street Chicago is a nonprofit and one of our sponsors. Also support Quant Wrestling. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download the Quant app now. Q-U-A-N-T Wrestling, Quant Wrestling. And that's it, folks. We'll see you next week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life.